Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Let's talk about the Middle Kingdom. To say Canada's relationship with China is frayed is an understatement. Just today, a Hydro-Quebec employee accused of sending trade secrets to China has been charged with espionage. The employee, Yu Sheng Wang, who was 35, was arrested this morning at his home in Candiac, Quebec. Following an RCMP investigation, he'll appear in court on Tuesday to face four charges. He's accused of fraud uh, for obtaining trade secrets, unauthorized use of a computer, breach of trust by a public officer, and obtaining trade secrets, a charge under the Security of Information Act. Uh, This is all occurring uh, when uh, we've had other conversations around China on this show. Earlier this month, three Chinese-controlled mining firms were told to divest their interests in Canadian uh, lithium mines. Also this month, we learned of a network of unsanctioned and illegal Chinese police stations around the world used to exert pressure on exiles and expatriates. Some of, some of those various police stations are said to operate uh, in Canada. We also learned this month that CSIS identified a clandestine network of Beijing-backed candidates in our recent election. At least 11 candidates were supported by China in the 2019 federal election. Global News reported, uh, Sam Cooper uh, being the specific reporter, reported that Beijing had directed funds to candidates and that Chinese operatives had acted as campaign advisors to many candidates. In one case, funding 250,000, funding of 250,000 was directed through the office of an Ontario-based provincial politician. The operation, which was reportedly directed from China's consulate in uh, Toronto, also sought to place operatives within the offices of serving MPs in an attempt uh, to influence policy. Uh, also, there were efforts uh, made to co-opt and corrupt former Canadian officials in a bid to gain influence within political circles. Uh, the attempted interference, get this, is believed to have targeted both major political parties federally, so the Liberal Party and the Conservative Party. Joining me now to discuss our frayed relationship with China is Miro Trenetic. He is CEO of Brand Centric, which helps build brands for leaders. He's also the co-founder of City Age. He is also the former Beijing correspondent for the Globe and Mail. Miro, thank you for joining us today. Uh, good to be here, Jeff. Uh, lots to talk about. Uh, in your mind, uh, with this rather long intro on my part, but I wanted to sort of put some context to where we are with China. Your thoughts, where are we in your mind uh, with our relationship with China today and now? Well, I, I, we're not in a good place. And we, I think we're at an inflection point for the country and uh, what I call Brand Canada. I, I spent a lot of time in, I spent about four years in Beijing from 97 to 2001, just when China entered the WTO. Um, and, you know, I watched China go from a, a country that had a very small trade surplus to one to one that had the biggest in the world. It was a real tr- moment of transition. And um, Canada really believed at that time, and we believed it from the 1970s onward, that China was going to become like us. And, and I think what we're finding is that China is China, and we have to find a better way of dealing with China. And I would say to date, I don't think this is a political issue. I think it's, I think it's a national identity issue for Canada. Um, that we're not, we haven't done a very good job of interpreting what China is and how we relate to China and our own country. 
but also at, at the world at large in terms of trade and geopolitics. What does this mean? If you, if you say our performance has been mediocre, poor, or whatever it may be in handling China, what do we need to do moving forward, number one, and what impact do you think this has in our standing globally? Well, you know, I think I think this works um, at a really fundamental level in in terms of national sovereignty. Something that China believes in itself. If if anyone in, if anyone interferes with the political or national security process in China, they would be kicked out of the country. They would be arrested, or they would be put in front of a firing squad. That is just a fact. Um, so nobody does that in China because that's the reality. Um, the reality, what China is doing, um, and China is not the only country that does this, of course. And let's not confuse China with the Chinese, with Chinese people, which is a totally different thing. But the Chinese state does take part in foreign endeavors. It goes into countries, it puts operatives in, and they they spy and they attempt to take out IP essentially mm-hmm. from those countries and influence um, those countries in the political level. And that's what we're seeing in Canada right now. And, uh, you know, we're at a moment when the Canadian parliament, I wouldn't say the government, I think it's the parliament, needs to do something about it. Um, when you look at countries like Australia, similar in size, although they are smaller than us, but a similar system of government, very similar in tone and temperament and, and to a certain degree. At the same time, when I watch the Australians, they seem to have a spine in regards to dealing with China, and they do a tremendous amount of uh, uh, a trading with China when it comes to natural resources and other things. But they seem to have said, here's the line, you will not cross it. And they've been much more, I would say, forceful uh, in not only saying no to China, but in many ways defining who they are as Aussies as well. Yes, I think, you know, I think there is a cultural difference between Canadians and Australians in that respect. You know, I think I think we're much more diplomatic and, you know, we try to bridge the realities of the, the Atlantic Alliance, of which really Australia is part of. And, um, you know, the, the fact that China is one of the great countries in the world that we have to deal with. And we're in the middle of that. Uh, the Australians basically uh, take the position that they're, they're going to basically adhere to it a U.S.-led position. I think we're falling into that a bit right now. But they have been much more aggressive in dealing with these, um, you know, these sort of issues of of influence peddling by the Communist Party government Mm -hmm. of China. Um, We have not been, you know, we have this case right now where we have a CSIS report, which is our our, intelligence agency, um, which nobody is disputing, that says at least 11 federal candidates in the 2019 election were receiving funds or staff or some sort of resources in their campaigns from Chinese government operatives. Um, that, that would not stand, that does not stand in Australia. It certainly doesn't stand in the United States where people go to jail for that. Uh, in Canada, we're quite silent about it. We don't know the names of those 11 people, those candidates that may inadvertently, they may not know that they've gotten those, those resources or that, that money from, from the Chinese government or its, or its agents, but they have. We don't know who they are. We don't know which party they belong to, though it seems to be both parties. It doesn't seem like the NDP is involved in that. Um, but we don't know who those people are. We don't know if they were elected somewhere, I, I suppose. We don't know how many of those people might be in, in sitting in cabinet. Um, I have no idea. We have no idea how many of these people may be in parliamentary committees that um, involve security clearance. Um, and we don't know who their staff members are that might have directed these funds into our institutions. This, this is a major 
national security issue. And I suspect it's the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, and you know, I can speak a little bit from experience as a former MLA uh, in a riding that had sizable uh, Chinese population, Cantonese speaking and Mandarin speaking, and having lived and worked in China as well. I think there are so many uh, groups, uh, a vast majority of them are, are part of uh, uh, Canada. They're part of making their community stronger. Uh, but whenever an, uh, an elected official gets invited to, let's say, an event in the Chinese community, you'll have different groups that may be uh, business, uh, business groups that's connected to to the country, you don't know which one may be part of the United Front, the the propaganda arm of the the Chinese government. And even simple little advice like that, letting elected officials know that these six organizations or these 20 organizations are indirectly or directly related to the United Front or united to Beijing or their overarching um, uh, worldview is is that of China's and not necessarily Canada. I think those even simple uh, uh, advice like that to an elected official would be very helpful. But to my understanding, none of that is ever provided for elected officials. Well, that advice should be provided all the time by, mm-hmm. by our intelligence agency and, and, our, uh, and our foreign service, whatever they have it available. They don't always have it available. And I would say uh, this is not a, just a China issue. This happens with all countries. It happens with the Russian government. It, it's, happened, it's happened out of India. Mm-hmm. Um, the people, people who are national agents of other governments always are trying to infiltrate um, domestic governments. Canada is not alone in being a target. Um, it, it will not stop. It's just it's part of, part of the reality of, of nation states. But what we have to do as a country is when it happens, we identify it. We have to act vigorously to, um, to, to call it out and deal with the people who are doing it to show that this, this is just not we, – we will not allow this to continue. And this is not just about – uh, you know, Paula, you know, well, let me rephrase that. What this really is about, it is about national security because it involves military issues. Mm-hmm. It, it involves high-end IP. It involves the legitimacy and the integrity of your government. And these these are the foundations of democracy and where they have to be defended. So when we find any country, whether it be China or not China, doing this, we have to act vigorously uh, to, 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 to counter it. And I don't think we are doing that. Prior to the break, you were talking a little bit about uh, counteracting some of the things that China was doing, uh, Miro. And I was thinking back, even this year, I've talked to two or at least one elected official who was quite frustrated with the uh, briefing that they got from CSIS in regards to what they should be aware of, who they should be watching and, and be concerned about. Another one, I was told that the MPs in the area were also briefed uh, here in, in the Lower Mainland, but once again, very generic, broad advice, nothing specific that would help them deal with the day-to-day interactions that do occur uh, when they meet uh, people. Uh, in your mind, uh, the broader issue, of course, is, is China and what they've already done in this country. When I think of Huawei and the fact that they were involved, uh, you know, in research with our universities, uh, could one argue that we've just waited too long to get to this point? I know there's lots been going on for the last eight weeks on this issue, and I think it's great to see, but in many cases, some would argue, look, this is, should have happened five, seven years ago. Is, is this too late for us? Oh, I, no, I don't think it's too late at all, but it is true that we've been very slow. When it comes to Huawei and the um, the issue of 5G technology going into the telecommunication system, we were the slowest in the Five Eyes Alliance, which is, you know, the, the, the five chief, you know, it's the United States, or New Zealand, Australia, Britain, ourselves, um, who um, 
basically run run their own their own surveillance agency that that um, is, is is part of the Atlantic of NATO's uh, security uh, um, establishment. Um, we were the the last. I think I think we were the last to say no to Huawei, and um, you know we that sounds out sends up, I think, very um, difficult messages for our allies that we that we didn't take a, a, a fast stand on that. They all did. Um, so that brings us, I think, to a larger question about how Canada is regarded mm-hmm. in terms of how it deals with Chinese espionage or influence peddling inside our own country. Uh, I think the perception is that we're slow and um, that we don't take it as seriously as we should, I do. I would add, though, I do think um, our, our. I do think the RCMP. I do think CISOs. I do think of many, many of our civil servants take it extremely seriously. They understand the import of this, but Canada has invested a lot of time for more than forty or fifty years on a way of looking at that China has proven to be incorrect. That China is not going to become a democracy or Western-style democracy. China is its own system. And we have to understand how to deal with it on those terms. And one of the things that China understands and respects are countries that stand up for their own sovereignty, which China does all the time. Mm-hmm. And is, is, is this the moment now for Canada in regards to its brand globally as well as, as, as a small country when you, talk, when you talk about population, that this is the moment for us to actually, the brand that is Canada, time to stand up to China? Well, I don't think it's, uh, I mean, I think, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit wary of when we only talk about China in this respect, because again, there are other players that do this. I think Canada has to stand up for itself. There are a lot of, I mean, this country is built by Chinese people. <laughs> you know, our railways were built by Chinese people. So we have to be extremely careful when we use the word Chinese or China. Mm-hmm. I think what we're talking about is a government, a, it's an authoritarian government, uh, essentially a surveillance state that uses all the techniques that are possible to get into countries around the world and find out whatever information and resources it, it can to uh, advance its own interests. And Canada has to understand that that is the China we are dealing with. And the way to deal with China, in my mind, is to be very aggressive when it comes to our sovereignty. When we see these breaches, small or large, we need to act quickly and we have to act in a nonpartisan um, uh, level. We cannot have the Conservative Party and the Liberal Party pointing fingers at each other about which Prime Minister might have made the wrong error or didn't have the right banquet. What we need to know is as a country, we are completely united on this. And you mentioned Australia. That is what Australia does. That is what the United States does. That is what the United Kingdom does. That's what Germany does. And that is is what we are not doing at the moment, at least not publicly. And I think that's where um, I think the confidence of Canadians in our approach to China is... Um, I think, waning. Miro, thank you so much for your time, my friend. Uh, We could spend hours talking about this. Look forward to having you on on this subject because it's not going away anytime soon. Thank you so much today. Okay. Thank you, Jess.